I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? You are listening to The Bird Rights here on Nothing But Net Network on Dash Radio. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes right now, search The Bird Rights, and subscribe today. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to a special edition of the Bird Calls Podcast. Now, we have an action-packed week for you as we head into 2018. First, we're starting off with Kurt Heelan of NBC's Pro Basketball Talks, followed by Ali Cosell and Kevin Berrios on Monday, and then some very special guests at the end of next week and the week after. We'll tell you more on Monday. And as always, please spread the word. Subscribe. If you haven't already, by searching on iTunes, look for the Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Let's get rolling. All right, now we welcome onto the show Kurt Healing. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. And managing editor of Pro Basketball Talk. Kurt, any crazy New Year's Eve plans? No, actually, uh, we're just going over to a friend's house that throws a party every year. But I'm, I've got to control on the West Coast, like, how much I may consume, um, and not just food, uh, on the evening, <laughs> because on the West Coast, I'm a Notre Dame fan, a uh, football fan. is the is the last vestige of the Catholicism I was raised with. And so uh, I meet buddies at the bar to watch most of the games when I can. Um, it gets harder once the season gets rolling, and I've got active kids playing soccer. But I go to most of the games and watch them with my friends. What's 10 a.m. West Coast game? It's, which is kind of fun. You get breakfast and, and a beer and watch the game. But um, i got to be there at 10. <laughs> I can't be t- – I can't be uh, I, I can't have one of those all night pass out wake up at 12 type of days. I know that's a brunch goer's dream. And how lucky for you to end, end up at NBC Sports while being a Notre Dame fan who seemingly has had a partnership with with NBC for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, probably maybe even before I was born. How long has Notre Dame been featured on NBC? I, yeah, a long time. I, I don't know. Before I got to NBC, I've only been there. I've been there seven years. and It was certainly before that. Um, I don't know. You know, you'd like to think that stuff comes in handy. But like my one daughter, who's kind of a gymnast and nut, is is like is addicted to um, American Ninja Warrior. Like, could just loves the show, tapes them, watches them repeatedly. So I, I know they tape in L.A. Like, it, I struggled to find somebody who could help me get tickets. I'm like, I work for the company. Like, I wish you'd think I would have some pull, but no, that didn't really go that way. <laughs> 
Well, I got to put her in touch with one of my best buddies from uh, college, this guy named Sean. I, I can't remember what his Twitter handle is, but he he does all that crazy stuff in his gym. He's become a personal trainer, and he was on American Ninja Warrior last year. I think he finished second. So uh, my claim to oh, fame, wow. I, I knew a guy when, uh, but maybe she saw him on the show. But uh, anyway, thank you for your time, Kurt. Uh, excited for your New Year's plans and, and for your Notre Dame, your Irish there, and your 10 a.m. Uh, drinking <laughs> trips to, to, to the bar with your buddies. That actually sounds really cool about Los Angeles because I'm I'm usually in bed uh, probably around 11 o'clock. And uh, right now, for instance, there's a Pelicans game on. It's probably going to go until about 10 or, or to my bedtime. But whenever those guys are on the other side of the country, man, it, it gets harder and harder to stay up late. Uh, I, when, when, I'm, when, when I'm traveling a little during during football season and I get up and I the first football game isn't until 1, like I can't have a late breakfast and watch like whatever the morning, you know, the well, morning to us, the, the 1 o'clock, the first games on NFL Sunday are. It throws me off. I'm like, what do you, what do you people do in the morning? Like, <laughs> isn't the point of this to wake up and have breakfast and eat? Listen to us, we sound like a couple of old men. Uh, for those of you who don't know exactly. Kurt, you, <laughs> you may have seen or heard him on MSNBC, Bleacher Report, on Coach Nick's podcast on basketball breakdowns, ESPN Radio with George Sedano and Amin Al-Hassan, where he uh, confessed his love of jazz and punk rock, or uh, as the host yep. of Pro Basketball Talk on NBC Sports Podcast. But Kurt, uh, I checked, you haven't uploaded a podcast in a while. What gives, man? I, I've only been doing one a week lately uh, through the holidays. Um, and I didn't get to one at all this week. Next week, um, I'm lining up something. Uh, go, doing the Raptors, which, you know, I, I started to line it up and then Zach Lowe did it. I'm like, thanks a lot, Zach. But uh, <laughs> doing, the Raptors, <laughs> doing the Raptors next week and the week after that, we'll probably do a, um, a big awards, start breaking down, you know, half, it'll be about halfway point in the season at that point for most teams. And that's honestly when I put together my first awards list and start actually considering it. And so we'll do a podcast breaking down like, you know, all the awards, uh, all the postseason awards at the halfway point and like where things stand. All right, enough advertising for Kurt Heelan over here. Let's talk some <laughs> basketball. Of course, you guys uh, can check him out, NBCSports.com slash NBA, where Kurt writes several article, articles a day. Good for you, sir. And, of course, don't forget to follow him at Basketball Talk. And, and kudos to you for locking down that Twitter handle. You must have locked that down in, like, what, 2007? No, actually, it was would have been 2000, 2000, late 2009, early 2010, somewhere in there. I'm um, proud I of you, man. I remember where I got it because I was, I was surprised it existed as well still. And I was um, – because I just switched to NBC. I'd been running uh, you know, the old uh, Foreign Blue and Gold, the Laker blog that had been there forever. I, that was still mine at the time. And uh, I was in a car dealership getting my car well, – not a dealership, but an auto place, like getting my car worked on. And I was like – Sitting in there using their Wi-Fi, like that's still available. Really, <laughs> this isn't just low Wi-Fi. Like, okay, I'll take it. Good for you. All right, Kurt, we, we've brought you onto the show for the biggest news so far in the NBA. Just took place yesterday. Uh, photos were taken of former Hornet, Clipper, Cavalier, and well-traveled warrior Baron Davis with recent Emmy winner and Star Wars and Jurassic Park uh, former star, uh, the original with Steven Spielberg I'm referring to, Laura Dern. What was your immediate yeah. reaction to this news? Good, good on you, Baron. <laughs> honestly, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're like, if he, he's honestly one of the most fun guys to cover, one of the more like entertaining guys. And if you've, you know, you've watched the NBA for a long time, and for your listeners who have too, who remember Baron, good Baron, focused Baron, in shape Baron, like the nights he showed up for big games, he was awesome. Like he was just such an entertaining, fun, great point guard. He just, 
wasn't rarely was rarely in good enough shape to not get injured and just didn't bring the focus unless he was going up against an elite point guard. But the nights he brought it, man, he was fun to watch. So I, he was always a, he's he's long been a favorite of mine. Um, so he, and I know nothing about Laura Dern other than like the movie list you got. Yeah. But he was great <laughs> and wild at heart. So um, you know, hey, good, good for good for Baron. I, I like that. And this brings up uh, another thought in my mind. Just just classifying the two of them. One's 38, one's 50, one's a movie star, one's one's a basketball star. I start like circling my in my brain, where would their paths even cross? Is is Dern a diehard basketball fan and finds herself at, at Warriors games? Or or maybe Davis is a great fan of, of Big Little Lies on HBO and got his way into, I don't know, the red <laughs> carpet party. <laughs> Kurt, what are some other unlikely relationships in the NBA that you'd personally like to see? Yeah, see, you, I think that would be fun is to throw Joel Embiid with like another social media, like, but but somebody that would just blow headlines up everywhere. Like if, what if we put him with like Keisha, <laughs> or um, I, I'm trying to think of who else would be like a big. So I like, he's too young to go out with Lady Gaga. So, I, but um, I'm trying to think of somebody more along those lines where it would just be like, damn, Joel, that's impressive. Like, um, who is he going to date that would just blow up the web? Well, right now there's a report out that he denied dating. Well, what what is this podcast becoming all of a sudden? Uh, Wag star exactly. Olivia Pearson. But I'm trying to remember just uh, oh. two two or three years ago before uh, Joel Embiid had played a minute in the NBA, he he called out some girl who is married. It wasn't Rihanna, but uh, someone in the music industry just basically you know said that I would like to go on a date with this girl who was very clearly in a relationship. So the man has no fear. So if anybody's going to be classified <laughs> in a, in a star magazine type scandal, it's it's probably going to be Joel Embiid and I'm sure he'll be hilarious through every minute of it okay Kurt let's let's take a, a step back let's actually talk some real basketball we'll we'll go around the Western Conference Kurt and I can tell you are very well versed by your work uh, as I mentioned lots of stuff on there daily let's start with the Clippers because last night Blake Griffin finally made his return in fashion with 24 6 and 6 and a win over the Lakers the Clippers have been subject to, to numerous trade commas by at least media types considering uh, the movement of guys like DeAndre Jordan Lou Williams, many arguing that it's that it's just time for the Clippers and Doc to move on. We've had enough of this. Let's start over, start from scratch. However, the the Clippers are only about three games back of the fifth seed of Thunder right now. They're 15 and 19. The Thunder have 20 wins. Kurt, is there any chance that the Clippers are going to get themselves into the playoffs? I would say, you know, not not to go Jim Carrey here, but yeah, there's a chance that because like you said, the, the back half is bunched, and I really think that. Oklahoma City in particular is probably safe. Like, I think they're starting to figure it out. They're deep enough that they can survive. I've said from the start that what might well determine the bottom half of the West was going to be injuries. And so you've seen Memphis fade because, look, they didn't have much depth anyway. I wasn't sure they were going to make it. But if they don't have Mike Conley, they're really in trouble. Um, We've seen other teams in the West fade or rise, depending on who's in and out of the lineup. I think. With the Clippers, if they could, in theory, keep them, especially if they could get Danilo Gallinari back from the, uh, the well, frankly, torn butt that he has, born, the, the glute tear. <laughs> Careful, um, this is a PG podcast, Kurt. <laughs> the, the glute tear that he has. Um, look, Danilo's a good scorer, like a good player when you can keep him on the floor. Um, that's a, I think we saw it at the start of the season. Remember, they got off that really hot start the first couple of weeks, and then you know Patrick Beverly's gone for the season. But they could be a playoff team, but I think right now, they're in the situation where they would need a little help. 
And I think for the Clippers, the bigger question is the one you mentioned before, the trade. If you're, what, what is their grand plan? Is their grand plan to keep DeAndre Jordan next summer, pay him a boatload of money to keep him because you're going to have to, and then try to build around him, Blake Griffin, and whatever else you can start to land? Is that, is that a direction you want to go in the West right now where uh, you're not – I don't think you're as good as New Orleans, let alone Golden State and Houston, who are going to be good, really good for a few years now. Is it? Po- do you really want to go down that road? Is, is Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan what you're going to do? Or are you better off saying, hey, let's get something for DeAndre while we can. Let's get something for Lou Williams. Let's, we'll keep Blake Griffin as kind of the face of the franchise for a little while while we start a rebuild process, which is the right thing to do basketball-wise. But... A, I'm not sure Steve Ballmer wants to do that. B, remember that they're trying to get a new building built in Los Angeles, um, near where the old L.A. Forum was, where the Lakers played back in the, in the Showtime era. And that is currently owned by M. Madison Square Garden and James Dolan, who are fighting getting a, comp- you know, a, a new building that competes with them for concerts and circuses and whatever else, basically across the street. So you want to rebuild in the face of that is rebuilding when you're already the second team in the market, the smartest move when you're trying to get a building built, or do you want to go more Brooklyn Nets, go all in, even if it hurts us down the line so we can get into the new building and, you know, and get some stuff done. And then once we're there, we'll just live with the consequences. It's going to be interesting to see. This isn't, this isn't a Lawrence Frank, you know, decision. He's the GM now that hands it's out of doc rivers hands. I'd be shocked to be back, frankly, after this season. Um, it's it's a Steve Ballmer question. Like, what direction do you want to go? Because one's the smart basketball play, but it's not necessarily the smart business play. Oh, that's a very interesting tidbit of knowledge. Something I wasn't privy to what that was that there was a new building and negotiation over there, and that definitely hampers uh, any expectations Pelicans fans might have of the Clippers just uh, hitting the reset button and trying to plummet towards the it, bottom of the lottery. Um, it, it is possible. Uh, honestly, it's still the right – they're debating it internally. They're getting calls. They're judging what to do. I, I can tell you multiple teams are calling them, and frankly, multiple teams out of the East. And if, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because Absolutely. can we just agree Cleveland's vulnerable? Like, this is the most vulnerable, I think, a LeBron James team has been in a while. Um, it might be the worst cast, supporting cast he's had, I don't know, since he went to Miami. Like, like I mean, it's been a while since this, there was this kind of weak team around him, and they haven't got Isaiah yet back. But if if you're Washington or if you're Milwaukee, are you looking at them and thinking maybe? Like, if we can land DeAndre Jordan or we can land whoever, you know, we can pull a superstar out that wasn't expected to be moved, then – or even somebody like Lou Williams who's – can still light it up off the bench and give, you know, somebody like Cleveland. Either Cleveland's going to make a move to solidify themselves or somebody's going to put themselves in contention with them because everybody sees Cleveland as vulnerable right now. Well, that's interesting. For a team that's 24-11 and 11 and has LeBron James at the helm, I was going to stick with the Western Conference, but uh, you, you've drummed up some excitement in me. Uh, basically, my question was going to boil down to a little bit later in the pod. Uh, of course, Boston is ascending with Kyrie at the helm and with some of those yo- young guys playing well above their age level. Is is the East a two-man race right now, or do you think these these contenders like Toronto, who always seems to be lurking but falls apart in the playoffs, Washington, who just always runs out of gas beyond their, their top five, they never seem to have enough 
depth to get past the second round. Do you think one of these teams can can make a move like acquiring a Lou Williams or DeAndre Jordan and and possibly uh, dethrone the king, LeBron James, who, by the way, celebrated his his 33rd birthday today? Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, he did turn 33. And 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 um, well, as of yesterday, I haven't looked today, but as of uh, like a day or two ago when I looked, actually leads the NBA in minutes played at, at wow. 33 in his 15th <laughs> season. That that's you know he's not even being coached by Thibodeau. I don't know quite how that happens. So, um, well, you got to do it while you're young, Kurt. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I I'm really. I think it is possible. I, I look. If you made me pick a team out of the East right now, I would pick Cleveland. I still think that's the bar. They're too good, and I think we saw it on Christmas Eve. Like when LeBron James is playing well, focused and well on both ends. He can just lift a team up so high. He's just such a great player. Um, and, and, you know, having a, a great player having arguably the best 15th year season somebody's, you know, ever had, or, you know, at least in that discussion. Um, but I think we're going to learn a lot about Toronto starting just after the first year. They've, they've had this great tear where they've looked fantastic. It's also been against a crazy soft part of their schedule. Um, starting pretty soon, they've got a lot more games on the road and a lot more games against good teams coming up for about two, three weeks right after the first of the year. Watch and see what happens. Do they keep winning? Do they keep having this pace? Is this Because I think some of the stuff they're doing in terms of ball sharing and just taking better shots, DeMar DeRozan is more of a playmaker than he was. And look, I did put this stat in the, on the site the other day. Uh, last year, last season, I should say, Toronto took 41% of their shots from the mid-range. It was like the highest in the NBA. This year, they're down to 30%. They are getting more threes up. They're getting more to the rim. They're swinging the ball more strong to weak. But will they? Can, it's easy to do that when you're playing bad defenses and bad teams. What happens when you play you know, Golden States and the Bostons and the Cleveland and the teams that are going to play Houston, teams that are going to defend you, when you get challenged, do you revert back to isolation, one-on-one basketball? We'll find out over the next couple of weeks with them if they're legit. Washington, Washington just confounds me. Like, I want to say yes. They are like one player away. They make a move. They can compete with the top of the, of the East because when they bring it, they bring it. But they develop such bad habits about not bringing it every night. They're 9 and 10 so far this season against teams under 500. They just – if they don't respect the opponent, they don't care. Wall said the other day they play for stats. I just, I have a hard time fully buying into teams that don't do that, that are good. Like, if if Cleveland had that record, I'd have that question about them. If if Golden State or anybody, if you don't bring it against the weak teams, and hey, everybody has an off night, but 9 and 10 against teams under 500 isn't an off night. I mean, why when you have John Wall and Bradley Beal? So, uh, I just, I'm not sold yet, but if, again, if they could replace Gortat with, and I like Gortat, but if you can replace Gortat with DeAndre Jordan and put him in pick and rolls with John Wall, yeah, that becomes a lot more dangerous team, and they've just became a lot better on defense. So if somebody makes a move, I think it is possible to dethrone Cleveland. I was going to say, uh, Wizards fans have to be hoping the the Pelican stock just plummets and falls deep out of the playoff yeah. race so that there can be some form of Gortat and Kelly Oubre and a couple of picks maybe for, for the remaining year of DeMarcus uh, Cousins because I think it was at the yeah. All-Star break last year that the two of them, Cousins and John Wall, were, were speaking and John Wall confessed to the media right before the trade went through that Boogie had already told him he was planning on going to Washington. I'm not sure how much validity was to that or to what that talk uh, it can be attributed to. It could have just been Those too much. Kentucky guys, man. 
just Kentucky guys all want to play together. By the way, if you could actually put all those Kentucky guys together, it'd be a heck of a team. Yeah, pretty good, right? And not even talking mentioning uh, Eric Bledsoe or uh, Anthony Davis putting all them together. Uh, I, I think that team might give Golden State a run for its money. Kurt, let's let's yeah, backtrack right. a bit to the to the Timberwolves. Uh, they're sitting just two games ahead of the previously mentioned Thunder. And I want you to just break apart the Western Conference for me and and find out who who are the real the real threats and who who of these guys are just pretenders. And of course, talking about the Wolves, they're twenty two and fourteen, but there has been some strife with their with their public disagreements concerning playing time. Of course, you got Tom Thibodeau playing the heck out of these guys. Eight-man rotations, not going deep into the depth, uh, giving Tyus Jones enough playing time, although now they have to because Jeff Teague is out indefinitely with a knee sprain. Yeah. But it, it, they still have won five of six. Do they have a realistic chance of not only hosting a first-round playoff series where they sit at four right now, but do they have a chance in a, in a round-two matchup against somebody like the Dubs, the Spurs, or the Rockets? I don't think so. I think that a they've played um, going into this week like the fifth easiest schedule in the NBA. So we'll see how they toughen up over the second half of the season. As by the way, those legs get tired. I mean, they have four guys. Uh, Wiggins actually, if he's not ahead of LeBron, or he and LeBron are switching back and forth between most minutes played in the league. Uh, Butler is top five. Um, they've got. Uh, I'm going blank on who else was up really high for them. Um, oh, Towns is in the top seven, five or seven. And then Taj Gibson, who has a few miles on him, uh, is in the top, was like 13th or 15th. I mean, just way too many minutes. And I think that does catch up with him. But I think the bigger question I've got with Minnesota is the defense isn't good. And when does that come back to bite them? Like they're 20, I think 25th in the league for the season overall. And you're like, yeah, but they've been playing better lately. And I looked at the other day, their last 10, they're still it was 18th in the league and basically just on the bell curve, like right in the middle of the pack. That's not good enough for them. Not if they're not with the plans they have, like they should be a better defensive team than they are. And now they will not look, if you're replacing Jeff Teague with Tyus Jones, your defense just got worse. So um, I, I, I really think that holds them back. And I think that that comes back to Thibodeau's style, which is not, getting them right now whatever he's doing he's not getting through to these guys and getting them to defend because they have the talent to do it um i'm not i mean maybe he's too stuck in his ways with an old school not switch non-switching style but i i don't think that's it so much as like defense in the nba it's like 80 percent effort like who's trying who's actually trying to play within the system it's not like the celtics are loaded with all these great individual defenders it's just everybody buys into the system they're switching they're doing what they can they're helping they're really good and graceful at it and that's enough that's enough to help them out a lot um i i just am not sold on minnesota as constructed yet as a real threat i think it's i think the west is golden state and it's probably golden state then houston you can argue that maybe they're on the same tier i'm not sold but they're one and two San Antonio is just kind of their own thing at number three. But are you with me that, like, I'm just not convinced they're a great playoff team against the other two. Like, I just am – they'll make the second round of the playoffs because it'll be the three seed, whoever they get at six, they'll be able to beat, especially if, if assuming Kawhi is all the way back to being Kawhi. But do you really – do you see them being able to challenge either of the top two? 
I never questioned Greg Popovich and Kawhi Leonard. We really <laughs> haven't seen him at the height of his powers yet this season. And it's it's difficult to remember that this is kind of a new Spurs team. They've kind of overhauled their roster yeah. a bit. They let some guys go. They brought in Rudy Kay, which we all thought was such a mistake in the offseason coming back from that Achilles. And yet he's he's bought into the system. He's playing well. LaMarcus Aldridge has bounced back. During the offseason, we were talking to a, a couple of guys saying, is, is Aldridge done? And I don't mean like, is he going to be in China next year? But I just mean as an all-star level player and lo and behold he's back to being LaMarcus Aldridge so I I can I will never count out the Spurs especially with Kawhi Leonard he absolutely terrifies me because unlike any other player in the league he is lethal on both sides of the floor there there are great players on both sides of the floor but he like like a Deion Sanders can take the ball in an instant from one side of the floor to the other before you even know what happens and I know from personal experience just being a Pelicans fan you know you think you've got a game locked up or at least you think you're going to overtime and all of a sudden he picks Drew Holiday pocket and it's a it's a one-man fast break and that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen in the playoffs because these guys have no fear with greg popovich at the helm they're not afraid of anybody they'll welcome anybody into san antonio their fans it's a great environment i i always put them on par with those guys now are they going to take down golden state probably not but i i never count them out um especially like given the pedigree given what greg popovich has proven and if like i said Kawhi leonard gets back i mean he was an mvp candidate last year and coming into the season before he suffered that injury a lot of us had him as a favorite uh not not just based on his talent levels but we tend to to go towards that really well-producing team who has one clear-cut superstar we generally don't go to the team who has like a paul george and a russell westbrook or a DeMarcus Cousins and an Anthony Davis. We really like that Kawhi Leonard because he's sitting in San Antonio with a bunch of great role players. So it's a, a real steady figure to, to, to go with. But and, and as we transition out of this, sorry, continue your thought with the, with the Spurs and the Timberwolves uh, basically being on, on their own tiers. I guess you were saying you've got Golden State on tier one. You've got the Spurs right behind them at tier two. Maybe can make their way to tier one based on Kawhi Leonard's health. And then you've got the Wolves and kind of everybody else in the tier three. Is that about right? Well, I'd have Houston on that. I would go Golden State 1, Houston 2, San Antonio 3, slightly on their own tiers. I think, you know, Zach Lowe had a great line in his preseason preview where he called, he put, you know, he did his NBA rankings by tiers before the season, and he had Golden State on top. Then the second tier included, I don't think, I forget who was in it, but, you know, Cleveland, Houston, whoever else he had there. He said teams that need a sprained ankle. And I just I think that that might be the that might be the best description of of the NBA this year because if it's a fully functioning Voltron in Golden State, I don't know what you do. I don't know if but, you remember the original Voltron animated movie, but you just called me back. I'm sorry to, to take this from you, but <laughs> they were always looking for that dang black lion key and the mice were hiding it the entire time until one of the good natured <laughs> mice finally let them complete Voltron. But that's the analogy that I just put together in my yeah. head. <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah so i think it's there and then i think once you get i mean i i guess minnesota will finish fourth i still think they're going to fade a little and oklahoma city isn't that far back and is getting it together and could catch them i think they're four or five and then look after that it could kind of go in any order depending on who's healthy um i i like denver i like Jokic. um they kind of right now i think they kind of swing on how jamal murray plays night to night at the point but uh, I like that team. I like how they're constructed. I, I have been impressed with. I mean, the Pelicans are better than I thought they'd be. I'll be honest with you. I just I wasn't sure how the Demarcus, um, Anthony Davis thing would really work. It's been fantastic when they're together. Um, Davis is actually, you know, back 
I was going to say all NBA. The all NBA forward thing is just brutal. So, and he's obviously a forward this year. I had him as starting center last year, but this year that's, I, I haven't even gotten that far. But, but he's playing at a, you know, going to get some MVP level votes the way he's been playing this season. They're fantastic. And then you, you keep going down, and it's like it's, it's just who can stay healthy. Who's, you know, there's other teams in that mix, but I think it's, I, I'm, I'm not sure Utah's going to be able to climb back in. The Clippers. Clippers are going to need a little help, and they've got to stay healthy, which, again, with that roster, I'm just not convinced. So I, I'm not sure there's going to be a shakeup in the West. I, I kind of think it's going to stay the, – the teams will shift within the eight, but I'm not convinced the Clippers are going to break into the eight unless somebody comes back to them. All right, let's get your overall uh, prognosis on the Western Conference, the playoffs. Like you said, uh, the the Timberwolves are currently at four, the Thunder at five. After that, you've got the Nuggets who are barely holding on right ahead of the Blazers, the Pelicans. Is that your final eight for the playoff standings? Yeah, I think so. I Again, I think it could shift around a little. I think Oklahoma City might jump up and, and we'll see how far um, Minnesota slides if they if they really, you know, the Jeff Teague thing hurts again. Tom Thibodeau has played that his starting five, like the other day, was almost 200 minutes more than any other five-man lineup in the league. Um, now that they've got to go to this, you know, bench, while he may be forced into some good decisions, occasionally that happens, you know, oh, David Lee's hurt, so I'm going to have to start Draymond Green. Hey, look at that, um, you know, type of situation. That's more the exception than the rule. Um, and I don't think that you know, Tyus Jones is suddenly stealing away Jeff Teague's jogs, job. So I think they come back to the pack a little bit. But after, I think people shift around, but I don't. I just don't see Utah or who's too too banged up, or um, as good as Donovan Mitchell has been. By the way, as a rookie, he's been impressive. Or the Clippers climbing into the playoffs. All right, let's move right along to All Star because I want to. You just talked a bit about Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins and the season that they're having, and they are incredibly impressive on just 16 shots. Anthony Davis is at 26, 10, two, and two and a half on 56 percent from the field, 39 percent from three, and Boogie is right next to him at 26, 12, and five assists a game, also on five turnovers, and he's shooting 48 percent from the field and 35 percent from three. Now, none of those takes into account the defense that the Pelicans have been playing. They're 29th in the NBA, and they're losing to the Knicks right now, having given up 128 to the Mavericks last night. But if you just look at offensive statistics, these guys look like they're pretty incredible. Uh, Jamel McMillan, one of the assistant coaches and summer league head coach for the Pelicans, said the defensive side of the ball doesn't get you paid. And it looks like the Pelicans are taking that line of thinking uh, into deep consideration heading into Boogie's contract year. But with all that joking aside, do you have Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins starting in the All-Star game right now? Probably because... I, look, I think you obviously a West starting spot opens up because Kawhi's been out. I just don't think he can be in at this point. He just hasn't played enough. And um, if you're not going to put Kawhi in, that opens the door, you know, in the West to to a spot that would not have otherwise existed because it's just. I mean, you're already running into you're just running into really tough spots because I'm like, all right, so James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Uh, Steph Curry, which one of you wants to come off the bench? Like, it's kind of ridiculous, like, the the level of depth. And that's not even – I mean, that's just three guys. That's not even getting into the the, the guys who, um, you know, I wrote today about, you know, Devin Booker down in Phoenix, who's a great young player, and they're trying to promote him as an all-star. And I'm like, you know, if you were in the East, he'd be in. In the West, I don't know that he can crack the guard rotation because it's just ridiculous. Guys like Mike Conley, have, you know, never an all-star. Drew Holiday – going to be hard for him to get in just because 
it's too deep. Um, and then you start to run into the same problem at the forward spot because it's, again, just freakishly deep. But that said, I think he, I don't know who's been a better center in the West or in the NBA I mean, than Cousins this season. And so I think he's kind of the, one of the default bigs, and I think Davis is there too. I suppose other guys could sneak in, but they've both got to be all-stars to me. Let me ask you this, an interesting uh, line of thought I had. You know, we have this traditional lineup. You've got the point guard, maybe another point guard next to him, maybe a shooting guard, then a small forward, then a power forward, then a center. Uh, It seems like one of these three guys, Steph Curry, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook, always gets pushed to the bench uh, every year at this All-Star around this time. And this year is probably going to be Steph Curry, being that he's been out with an ankle for a while. Is there some kind of scenario where Steph Curry starts at the one, James Harden starts at the two, Westbrook at the three, Kevin Durant at the four, and then you have to pick between Anthony and DeMarcus Cousins at the five. They started to do that, right? They didn't, they, you know, with the all-star ballot, and they don't do it, by the way, with all NBA. It kind of drives me nuts. Um, but they, they've done away with the center position, per se, and now it's, you know, two guards, three front court players. But to me, wouldn't you, to me it would make more sense to say point guard wing like two wing players because the two threes in today's nba are i don't want to say completely interchangeable depending on who you're defending but relatively and then the four and five and two bigs like you don't have a traditional center on most teams so i think something then that type of lineup works because you can you can call kevin i mean i guess you got to call kevin durant a big because of the way he plays for them but he's almost a wing it's just so flexible now it becomes hard to do and that's like my big beef with the all NBA voting is like, okay, you've got to pick a center. Well, last year it was lucky because I was able to put Anthony Davis at center because he played 63, 65% of his minutes there, whatever it was. But this year it's like, now I've got to squeeze him in as a forward. And who's, who's the best center in the game right now? Like, who are you going to choose? It's cousins or Embiid might be the best if he played enough, but I don't know that he has. Drummond was playing really well, but I, I mean, I don't know who, you know, look, DeAndre's, DeAndre Jordan's numbers are down, but I think that that's just a you're if you're a big man and you had Chris Paul feeding you and now you have uh, Austin Rivers feeding you, it's not as good. It's you know it's not going to work as well. So I'm I I would love to see them open that up a little more and just hey let's take the five top vote getters. It's an exhibition. Like who cares about the positions? And I was going to say, it's going to be up to whoever they place as these two team captains up to sort of break this tradition because they're responsible for picking whoever the hell that they want. And if they want to go with a five point guard lineup, that's up to their discretion. So if they do really want to. They they can't completely. Um, It's the way they're set. They've set it up. You have, you know, if you voted already, you know, it's it's two guards, three front court. The starters for both the, the 10 starters get chosen first. So the captains, let's be honest, the captains are going to be what Steph Curry and probably Steph Curry or Durant, but let's say it's Curry and LeBron, right? Probably. Um, they have to choose from the eight other voted starters first, then the bench. So the starters are still the starters. The bench is still the bench, unfortunately, um, because I'm with you. I would like, I'd rather have him just choose a bunch of guards and, and <laughs> shove them out there, but it's just not going to work that way. But you could, in theory, Use nothing but you know Curry could go down the starters list and pick just the smallest guys he could every time until he gets a small lineup. I guess that'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm just thinking like in terms of last year, if Steph Curry and LeBron want to have a little bit of fun and they don't necessarily want any drama, just taking last year's All Star lineup into account. What if LeBron comes out and he picks 
Kevin Love, DeAndre Jordan, Marcus Saul, Draymond Green, and and Kevin Durant, and then Steph Curry comes out and picks Kyrie Irving, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Russell Westbrook, James <laughs> yeah. Harden, and they just decide to go head to head point guards versus big men. And uh, I don't know, it could be fun for at least. A, I mean, it can't be any uh, less. Yeah, it would be. Look, I, yeah. I think that, isn't that part of the fun of this now? Is like you never know what they're going to. By the way, is LeBron going to pick Kyrie? Oh, that'd be interesting. I mean, they did have that dap on that opening night game. Uh, as soon as Kyrie missed that fadeaway three-pointer at the jumper to tie the game, uh, they had a really nice embrace. I remember seeing that and thinking, okay, it can't be all that awkward for those two uh, to um, to embrace each other. I'm sure it was I, awkward, yeah, but I, there's respect. I don't, there. I don't completely, I don't completely blame Kyrie either for saying, you know what, I I need to be my own man. I need to be in a different situation. It, it, playing next to LeBron isn't easy. Like you, you just you live in the shadow of under, look and an understandable shadow. You were talking about one of the game's all-time greats. As much as people like to pick on LeBron, or it's weird how if I write about how good LeBron's doing on Twitter, somebody will come back inevitably to quote Jordan's stats. Like, well, okay, first off, Jordan's Jordan. I don't think we need to defend his legacy at every stop. I don't. I don't think he's suddenly like falling down the ladder. Um, second, it, there, it's just a different era and different things. It's like, if you want me to start picking apart Jordan, I can do that. You can, I can pick holes in his legacy too. You know? Um, yes. He never lost the finals. He also didn't make the finals nearly as many times as LeBron. Like he got his head hand. He lost his games because the bad, you know, he learned to win because the bad boy Pistons beat him up years and years and years. That doesn't mean Jordan's bad. Like it's Jordan's still the goat, you know, but, LeBron, that's where LeBron is in his career. He's, he's getting judged on that bar now. It's just kind of ridiculous. And it, it just, it's one of my little pet peeves. We're like, dude, don't, guys like this do not come around often enough. You can't not appreciate what you're seeing. Yeah, I don't judge any of these guys for the decisions they make. Uh, speaking of the decision in 2010, I think the whole idea of players leaving their hometown franchises and, and chasing banners at a young age while still in their prime was so looked down upon just by the way of virtue of how he did it with Jim Gray, surrounded by those oh, by those that, students. That, that was the mistake. The mistake wasn't – because remember, it just was contrasted with – remember Durant re-upped to that summer, like basically on Twitter, did he? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. or I think he, he we literally just kind of is a throw-in on an interview on on Sports Center. They grabbed him and they're like, "Yeah, I resigned. Yeah, all right." And and it was nothing. And it just contrasted with. It was just a bad contrast. It was such a. I get what they were thinking, but it was such a bad read of the market. Um, yeah. For LeBron's people, it was just it was it was just a a horrible miscalculation of of what was coming. Yeah, and it followed him uh, for a few years even, basically until he his big article on Sports Illustrated coming back, I'm coming home. Um, and I think that's a big thing that draws millennials to basketball over football is because there is such a, a stigma of uh, you need to be the good soldier uh, in the NFL. And whenever guys do make choices like that, they get crucified. They always say the right things. They toe the company line. In the NBA, they don't have to. If Kyrie Irving doesn't want to play with LeBron, guess what? He doesn't have to. He's a superstar. And just a word to the media – and he's on his way to Boston. Same thing with Kevin Durant, any of these guys. And I think millennials who who are gravitating towards the NBA, boosting up their numbers, boosting up what they're able to do, uh, who knows what the the, the next team is going to sell for. You've already got them going at $2 billion, even though they get a fraction of the viewers that the NFL do at this point. 
And, and you still see like the power that the athletes have and the way that they carry themselves. And I, I think it makes a lot of people admire Kyrie Irving. Who cares if he doesn't want to go to, you know, LeBron's ninth straight final and be a part of LeBron's legacy. If he wants to carve out his own legacy and he does things the right way and he plays like team basketball, let him do whatever he wants. And I, I think LeBron respects that. And of course, us as media types, we're going to want to hype up the drama because that's what makes this interesting. Whenever I talk to my wife about basketball, I'm like, honey, don't think of it as, as a sport. Think of it as, as a drama or a soap opera that just involves athletics. And you'll find it so much more interesting. Think of like Bachelor in Paradise. You know, you've got all these guys in activities and games and, and just, just think of it as like that, except nobody's trying to hook up with each other or who knows, maybe then, I mean, it is 2017. You never quite know, but we're, we're getting off topic. I'm rambling at this point, Uh, (laughs) getting back to the Pelicans. Are the Pelicans going to do enough this season to keep Anthony Davis uh, through 2019? That's a that's a really good question. Um, I making the playoffs this year with Cousins, and then obviously probably having to pay through the nose to bring him back is probably the best way to do that. Only because if you let him, if you trade him, which I like, I, I've heard that that's not happening. Uh, you guys probably the same thing. But if 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 you made an organizational decision to move on. Then by the time you get it reset, it's too. It's you're 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 running into decision time on Davis. Where if you feel like you can't keep him, then you have to think about moving him, or because you can't afford losing him for nothing. Um, this isn't Oklahoma City. We're like, well, we still got Westbrook. Um, it's it's it would be a really tough situation. So, um, I I'm curious if there's. If they do that, I'm still curious if there's a house cleaning in terms of front office and coaching after the season or not. And I think it kind of depends on how things shake out. If the war, you know, you get into the eighth seed and you get smoked by the Warriors in four games in the first round, is that is that enough? Is is I, I, I I'm not Tom Benson. I can't answer for the Benson family on on where that line is for them or Mickey Loomis or whoever is going to be making that call. But um, I. I think so though i look i just don't think he wants to leave i just think he does want to win he does want to feel competitive and you've got to prove to him that you can do that in new orleans and doing that is walking that line of being competitive and keeping it going which you know the spurs have done amazingly for a decade and you see you've got to be able to get young players in draft really smartly and develop them you see it with golden state and you know christmas day they're starting jordan bell um, Long Beach Poly's own Jordan Bell, I should add, just to pump up <laughs> my city out here. Um, um, but a guy, you know, they have Patrick McCaw getting key minutes. Like, they, they find guys and develop them. The Spurs have draft every year, like, who the heck did they just draft? And then three years later, like, man, Dwayne Dedman, that guy can play. Like, that guy's going to, you know, they played so well they couldn't keep him. Um, they do this every year, and we were saying that with Rudy Gay. Like Rudy Gay, really going to bring in? Oh, look at that! Rudy Gay's good. Um, like you know, he'll buy into the system. They, the Pelicans, need to be better at that. They need to be better at either developing or finding guys who will play within whatever the system is and just make it work. Um, it's easy to stand around. They need better. Obviously, they need better defending and defenders. Um, they need more shooting, but. So do there's 29 teams besides you guys looking for shooting is the problem, um, but they've got to they've got to find a way to do it creatively and guys find ways to bring in guys and elevate them within the system to make it work because that's the that's the only way to keep a couple of superstars on the roster and still 
and still win. All right, Kurt, great stuff. Uh, I want to keep the ball rolling because I want to get you out of here. I've just got one more thing. Uh, and first of all, uh, shout out to Long Beach. I spent my honeymoon two months ago in Catalina Island and on Huntington Beach right next oh. to Long Beach. We flew into Long Beach. Love the airport. Gorgeous weather. Isn't I that, love okay. the whole. I, I, that is, it's, honestly, and again, I don't, as a, as a media member, I really, everybody's like, who are you rooting for in the finals? I'm like, I don't really, to be in the finals or whatever. I'm like, I don't care. I honestly, like, I'm going to go there and recover it. So what I am actually rooting for in my head, cities I want to go to. And I can fly to the Bay Area from Long Beach with that great little airport. I'm like, and I live like a mile and a half from that airport. I'm like, dude, that makes my life so much easier if they could just keep <laughs> reaching the finals. Like, it's, it's not even about them being in the finals. It's really about my convenience. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was beautiful. I've never been to an airport uh, like it. Uh, my wife and I loved it. We love the area. So big shout out to you guys. Let's let's get you out of here back to your to your family. Uh, let's talk about the Orlando Magic really quickly. I'm based in Orlando and they were losers of 19 of 22 before getting a win against Detroit on Thursday night. You might remember that they started the season eight and four and Aaron Gordon was shooting 60 yeah. percent from three as a team. They were shooting the lights out. But since then, they've been dis devastated by injuries. Uh, they lost Nikola Vucevic for six to eight weeks with a broken wrist. They lost Fournier for over a month. Aaron Gordon, the two of them are just now back. Terrence Ross is still out of the lineup. And just today it was announced that Jonathan Isaac is going to be out for the foreseeable future. They're putting him into a rehab facility for his ankle that he's now severely sprained twice after losing or missing 15 games, came back for three games, and now he's back out. And you'd have to think they're going to sit him for at least a few months. Is it time in your estimation for the Magic to just, just blow it up, tank, trade whatever they can and and get Frank Vogel out of there or or do you give them another run at this next year? No, I think it's time. I mean, the problem with their roster construction, right, is it's is is it's just been the island of misfit toys. It, it just each of those players individually like I Fournier's played pretty well and Vucevic has some real value and Aaron Gordon for the first, until he got injured you're like, "Oh man, he's maybe he's right up there with one of the most improved players in the league this year," which um, Victor Oladipo, I think, will now win going away. Um, but it's it's all these things. You're like individually they go great together, and then you put them together, and you're like, yeah, no. And then the injuries happen. Vogel hasn't been, and I think Frank Vogel's a good coach, but it just hasn't worked there for whatever reason. And it might be time for a reboot. I know that they they're they're considered like the cautionary tale around the league, though, for the reboot, aren't they? Like you're because you're just like. Every fan's like, tear it down and build it back up, just like the Sixers did. Well, A, yeah. I don't know that you really want to go that – like, no GM, no owner really wants to go that far. B, they, they, they were so bad that they were able to hit on – even though they miss on Okafor and they miss on others, like, we don't know about Fultz yet, but they were bad long enough that they're like, hey, we got Simmons and we got Embiid. And they were willing to take these kind of gambles and, and find other guys. It's not easy to do what they did. You've got to hit on the draft. It's it's really easy to think, hey, I'm going to take Darko Milicic second and because he's such a great European player and he's going to develop into all this. And I'm not going to take that Carmelo Anthony guy or that Dwayne Wade guy because what's going to happen with them? <laughs> you know, the draft is a bit of a crapshoot and you've got to be able to nail it. It's, it's not easy to do what Presti did in, well, actually in Seattle, but now in Oklahoma City. Like those kind of things are hard to do, but... I just to me, they might as well. They're not making the playoffs. They're not going anywhere. If you're going to be bad, you just can't have this much money on the roster. 
All right, guys, remember to follow Kurt at Basketball Talk. Find all of his work where he writes several pieces a day at NBCSports.com slash NBA. And, of course, he's got his pat, uh, his podcast. Uh, Kurt, we appreciate your time so much, man. Uh, anything you want to plug to our listeners before you head out of here? I think you hit everything twice, man. I, I should plug Long Beach again just, you know, for fun. But, no, I think, <laughs> I, think I No, seriously, though, if you're coming out to Southern California for, for vacation, if you can fly into Long Beach, uh, out of certain cities, or if you can fly into, um, and you, it, like, I don't know what, did you take JetBlue or something through Austin? Or if you can fly into John Wayne in Orange County, your life is 10 times easier. LAX is the worst large airport in the, in the United States. And if you can avoid it, your your life is better. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was so beautiful. It was nice to be outside. I want to say we did Southwest, but I don't rightly remember. Oh, they, um, they, fly, they fly in as well, yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic, and we like the flexibility of being able to to change flights if we need to because things do often come up, uh, as they do when you're an adult. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Kurt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, have an enjoyable night and a great new year. You too, man. Take care. Have a safe new year, man. Thank you for listening to The Bird Rise on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, take one minute to go to iTunes, search The Bird Rise, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Let's go, pals. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.